Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to the Vince Coakley radio program. Glad you are with us. A lot to talk about during the course of the broadcast today. Of course, we're following all the news that's going on in this area, state, region, and world. And along the way, if there is breaking news, we will bring that to you. So, uh, you can be informed and this is a place for conversation this is kind of like a town hall where there's an opportunity for us to engage and to um, interact hopefully in a very civil way that's what we set out to do during this next two hours just a sampling of some of the things we will delve into during the next couple of hours we will talk about Something very interesting that's going on with our economy. Well, a couple of interesting things. One of them, as you know, inflation has been taking quite a bite out of our money these days. And so many people are having to take extraordinary steps to just keep the lights on. We'll talk about what some people are doing to accomplish just that. You know, one of the big dreams for most Americans is to get to a place to be able to retire imagine retiring and then looking at your financial situation and realizing this ain't gonna work so you have to unretire we'll talk about that phenomenon that seems to be happening at an increased pace rather unfortunate to see this situation developing and with both of these stories, we very much would like to get your perspective on what's going on in your home. How are you actually doing during the course of these volatile economic times? We also have Transformation Tuesday. One of the items we will share with you, a social media post that really registered with me. And it registered because one of the things I think we experience a lot in our lives I you hear me talk about pendulums and how very often what happens is we'll see a swing of the pendulum in one direction or the other uh, many times we have a trend that's going on in a certain area and people react to that and they swing completely the other direction neither one of them are healthy we're going to talk about one of those things on Transformation Tuesday because one of those things relates to how we treat each other. This is very much a concern to me, and I see this all the time, especially in the political world, where some people simply do not care. It's the what matters without saying too much. The what does matter. But you know what else matters? The how. How we go about our business. The spirit with which we engage that is very important and if we lose that 
then frankly we lose ourselves we'll talk about how important this is coming up in the next hour with transformation tuesday also we'll talk about the upcoming debate who has qualified for debate number four does anybody really care is anybody watching we'll address that coming up as you know we've had a number of stories about what's going on with the revelations about anti-semitism around the country especially on college campuses I was really gratified to see a story reported by Fortune magazine. Here's the headline. Harvard alums are making $1 donations in a symbolic protest of schools' leadership's moral failures in handling anti-Israel protests. They give the example of Tali Zinger, who earned three degrees at Harvard, Served as a workhorse volunteer, calling friends and raising money from undergraduate class. Now with her 25th year college reunion approaching, she's done. Done! Dismayed over her alma mater's failure of moral leadership in its handling of a campus crisis since Hamas attacked Israel October 7th, including reports of widespread anti-Semitism. She's quite blunt. This 46-year-old lawyer and entrepreneur who's given every year since graduating, I will not be calling any of my classmates to try to encourage them to donate to Harvard. There are plenty of better places I feel my classmates can use their philanthropy and influence. Wow. For every Ken Griffin, the hedge fund manager whose $300 million donation put his name on his alma mater's Graduate School of Arts and Sciences this year, Harvard also relies on thousands of volunteers. They cultivate smaller financial commitments, organize reunions, recruit students, and run alumni clubs far from the Cambridge, Massachusetts campus. The most steadfast volunteers wear top hats or crimson rosettes at Harvard's commencement ceremony each May. Alumni engaged for decades with the school, Harvard, which employs hundreds of full and part-time staffers to connect with graduates and process their gifts, is now struggling to assuage growing alumni concerns while keeping that donation machine going. Long-time volunteer fundraisers are pulling back. One alum is taking Harvard out of his will. Zinger is planning to give just a dollar joining hundreds of other former students in a symbolic protest. The university's been in conversation with alumni and supporters and will continue to engage closely with them, according to Jason Newton, a Harvard spokesman. They're a vital part of our community. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> By the way, Harvard counts eight U.S. presidents, four sitting Supreme Court justices, Many global leaders among its alumni. It is the richest university in the country. <laughs> this is the part that's a little disheartening. Because how seriously are they going to take this message from these small donors with the information I'm about to tell you? You know what their endowment is? It's $51 billion with a B. And it boasts the highest credit rating and a fundraiser operation 
that has brought in a billion dollars annually since 2014. Now, the consolation here is cash gifts to the university fell 3% during the fiscal year ending June 2023, and the endowment's 10-year return is the second lowest in the Ivy League. More than reputational risk is on the line. Total fundraising makes up about 12% of Harvard's annual revenue. The school would feel the pain if alumni dissatisfaction leads to a meaningful dent in donations. Charles Flieger, who's overseen fundraising at Cornell and Johns Hopkins and now serves at Virginia Tech, says to lose that would be just devastating to any institution. You can say Harvard has all the money in the world, but they don't. They have a financial scholarship model that's best in class, world-class research and faculty. And you need that money to be a world-class institution. Now, Harvard doesn't close its books until June 30th, and fundraising typically isn't revealed until months later. This makes the precise financial impact of the alumni revolt hard to determine in current dollars and future bequests, even as billionaires, including Iden Ofer and Les Wexner, have severed ties with the university during the last two months number of alumni have simply signaled they have had enough will this school get the message we can only hope speaking with their pocketbooks love to get your thoughts on this as we continue the vince coakley radio program whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you wow just Three days away. Can you believe it? Three days away. I'm talking about what's coming up on Friday. It's time for the 30th annual Hancock's Bikes for Kids. We're asking you to join the spirit of giving. Started by John Hancock and donated a new bike for a child in need this Christmas. Because Christmas, we'll gather on Friday, December 8th, here at WBT. And all of the WBT personalities will be on hand to say hello. Hancock's Bikes for Kids, presented in partnership with WBTV, Friday, December 8th, 5 to 9 p.m., sponsored by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. Just visit WBT.com for more details. If you'd like to join the conversation here, it's wide open. 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Another encouraging story before we move on. It's a people story. One of the things that I'm big into, I like to see game-changing interruptions of life. I'll tell you what I mean by this. Do you ever feel like life can just be kind of mundane, boring? And especially if a person's struggling, you just get up day after day, it's the same old thing. And... I think about small business people, for instance, who are just trying to make it work. And they're getting up, and they're struggling and struggling and struggling. This story really warmed my heart. 
it's about somebody who decided to just take the influence they have to make a huge difference in the life of one person. Keith Lee. I don't know if you've heard about this guy. He's a popular TikToker. He's gained a lot of popularity because of his authentic restaurant reviews. Well, he made a significant impact on a dessert shop in Perlin, Texas. Janelle Prater, who's owner of The Puttery, first posted a video on Instagram back on November 26th, talked about the struggles she was facing with her business. It's a tough thing to try to run a business. I think one of my favorite lines, I'm trying to, to remember a conversation about this. I don't know if it was a personal conversation, whether it was a political figure who was making this argument. But basically, you have a certain amount of substance that a lot of people don't have when you are a person who is signing the front side of a check instead of the back. It takes you to a totally different place. And the people who are running businesses, I know you're saying amen right now because you're making payrolls. You are working your rear end off because without it, it's not just your life on the line. You've got other mouths literally to feed the people on your payroll who are counting on you to make this thing work. So Miss Prater said there are times when I only have two customers. There are times where I can't pay my bills. She shared this fighting through tears in her Instagram video. I left my job to pursue this business twice. I walked away from my career. I walked away from my benefits. It's all my choice. I made the decision because I had a dream. Prater then called someone's visit an opportunity of a lifetime for a business like hers, adding that her business was struggling. So what happened here? She was basically appealing to this guy, come visit, come check out. Come check out my dessert shop. She appealed over and over. Finally, she got a response. So Keith Lee announced November 19th he was planning to make a stop in Houston when he got word of Prater's story. He paid a visit to the Puttery in Perlin, just outside of Houston. Lee fell in love with the shop's desserts. How much love did he have for this particular shop? He left a $2,000 tip. And folks, this was only the beginning. A day after Lee's visit to the shop, and of course, doing what a TikToker does, he gets attention, he generates buzz, and that's exactly what happened here. A day after Lee's visit to the shop, customers flocked to Prater's business and formed long lines outside to try her sugary sweet creations. Get a load of this. In his TikTok clip, which received nearly 9 million views, Lee showed love for Prater's Oreo Croffle, 
and signature banana pudding, saying he's not even a sweets person, but calling his visit to the puttery immaculate. Can you imagine this? Nine million views. Prater tagged Lee at least a dozen times on social media to try to get his attention at the beginning. Responding to a social media user who criticized her for persistently tagging her, Prater said she has no regrets about doing whatever it takes to keep her business open. The first time I shut my business down back in 2010, I was dang near homeless because I left my job to pursue my business. I was a I was couch surfing, homeless basically, couldn't even put gas in my car. So for the person that said that I'm low-key begging for this man to come to my store, no, I'm persistently asking. I deserve it. I worked my butt off to the point where my fingers are numb. So yes, can you please come to my store that I've been working hard to keep open? Upon learning that Lee made a special trip to the puttery, Prater reposted a video to her shop's Instagram account. We did it! She captioned the clip. It's because, all because of you all. Thank you. And she, of course, thanks Keith Lee, who not only left that $2,000 tip, but generated buzz and business. Don't you love this story? Don't you feel really a sense of pride and thanksgiving that you live in a country where this kind of dream can be fulfilled and that other people can make such a difference like this. Maybe you can do this in someone's life today. Keep your eyes and ears open. You just never know. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, our phone number is 704-570-1110. I'm very curious, and I want to get a sense of this about what's going on in your home, in the financial area. How are you really doing? And we think about all the disruption of the last few years, and there's been a lot of it. A lot of disruption, much of it caused by covid And about the time we started recovering from COVID, well, then we start dealing with this issue with inflation. And unfortunately, in many cases, uh, the inflation has outpaced the money that you've got coming in, which is not good. Not good at all. We have a couple of economic stories that we're going to delve into now, which is one of the reasons... I'm very curious about how you are actually doing. And this is important because it's really vital that we have a good handle on things financially. I think one of the the saddest things is to have a country like ours and to squander the economic opportunity in front of us. There's no reason that we should not be thriving right now. There's no reason at all. But unfortunately, politicians have made some choices and 
this is where we have to take responsibility because we put these people in office. And they have made an absolute mess of things. So financially, it's put a lot of people in very, very challenging situations. So I'm curious about how things are in your neck of the woods. I'm going to tell you about what's going on with some people. And if you'd like to share a story about what's happening in your home, heck, we're not going to know who you are if you call in. So it's not like you're everybody's going to know it's you. And But I'd like to hear from you. Here's the story reported by Zero Hedge as to how some people are coping. More Americans, they are tapping into retirement savings. Hardship withdrawals are on the rise. A significant jump. The number of Americans yanking money out of their 401k accounts to pay bills and buy necessities. It's the latest sign the U.S. consumer is experiencing increasing levels of financial strain. Lots of strain. A new report from Fidelity, the nation's largest provider of 401k loans. 401k plans actually reveals a troubling trend. Americans are increasingly tapping their retirement savings in the form of hardship withdrawals and loans. 2.3% of U.S. retirement plan participants took a hardship withdrawal in the third quarter of 2023. It was only 1.8% in the third quarter of 2022. Top reasons given for taking a hardship withdrawal were avoiding foreclosure or eviction and covering medical expenses. E. Besides hardship withdrawals, also an increase in the number of Americans taking loans from their retirement savings. This year, growing from 2.4% in the third quarter to 2.8% in the comparable period in the prior year. Inflation continued to be a major concern, with nearly three-quarters of employees indicating inflation was causing them stress. The latest findings from Fidelity builds on a recent report from the Bank of America, which similarly showed hardship withdrawals rose significantly in the third quarter. While B of A didn't track the specific reasons for the withdrawals, the current state of the economy, including persistently high inflation, is a likely culprit. So this is having a ripple effect. So what's happening here? Wages, simply not keeping up with inflation. Among employed Americans, 60% said their incomes have not kept up with increases in household expenses due to inflation over the past 12 months. This is according to a new survey from Bankrate. That's up from 55% last year. Meanwhile, less than a third said their pay has kept up with or exceeded inflation this year compared to 33% last year. And 11% say they don't know. Bank rate analyst Sarah Foster told the Epic Times the job market has lost some of its steam since the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates to quell inflation, but not much. A share of workers who got a raise in the past year is matching last year's historic levels. More Americans are getting raises than they were before the pandemic. Even so, inflation remains painfully high for many households, eroding those gains. So your employer may give, but inflation is taking away. 
And she describes it this way. High inflation feels a bit like taking a pay cut in itself. Might be one reason why Americans suggest the economy isn't as strong as it looks on paper. So I pose that question to you. What is your current economic state? How are you really doing? Are you in this situation? If you had to take a hardship withdrawal... And it's bad enough if you are a working American and you're busting your rear end every day just to keep it together. Imagine if you've done this all of your life and you came to a place you thought, you know what? Now I can retire, enjoy the fruits of my labor, and then find out, you know what? I can't keep it together. We're going to talk about this as we continue the broadcast. And again, I welcome your input, your stories. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Man, that's a good one right there. You know, I've been, interestingly enough, listening to a lot of uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire lately. In fact, since you're having fun with that, you need to, for a future break, Bernie, uh, what is the name? There's a song called Running. If you can find that, maybe for the next hour, to um, to play that one. I've been playing that song. I kind of read it. You ever... You ever had a song, Bernie, that you kind of rediscovered? You heard it probably years ago. You're probably too young to be thinking years ago. But you kind of rediscover it, and you're like, oh, I love that song. Yeah. What happened to you? It's starting to happen now that I'm getting into my into my 30s, uh, just because <laughs> I didn't really start to love music music until you know I was in my teens. Like, I didn't really yeah. appreciate it, appreciate it at that point. So it's starting to happen now. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But when it does happen again, I'll write it down so I'll let you know. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. A uh, big thing for me, I have a special appreciation for music. I was talking about the challenges we faced with inflation, how this is impacting so many people, having to take out, 401k loans or get hardship withdrawals. You know what's really awful is to think, you know, now I can relax, I can retire, only to find in retirement you can't make it. Get a load of this story by Zero Hedge. More retired Americans are unretiring, and many worry about age discrimination. A resume builder survey of currently retired Americans found 12% expect to come out of retirement in 2024. Come out of retirement. Top reason? Inflation and a higher cost of living. They also cited combating boredom. I could see that. Two-thirds of those expecting to re-enter the workforce next year said they fear age bias will affect their job prospects. To at least get in the door, experts say don't let your resume make you look outdated. Stacy Holler, chief career advisor at Resume Builder, said, I talk to seniors and boomers looking to return. They show me the same resume they've been using for the last 40 years. 
I'll just say there are some simple ways to eliminate ageism in the resume review process. Don't use an AOL email address. <laughs> Is that a thing? I, I have one. You know what I use it for? Junk. When I know somebody's going to send me junk, I give them my AOL address. Hopefully, I haven't given that to any of you. <laughs> don't put your street address on a resume. Pictures don't belong on a resume. Older workers are likely proud of their long work history, but keep the resume short. Work experience from 40 years ago, probably largely irrelevant today. Talking about exactly what you did that long ago really won't help you get the job today. Now we're looking at about the past 15 years of experience. Age discrimination is illegal, but it's hard to prove. Hiring managers can use tools like internet searches and social media to determine a candidate's age. Reasons given for rejecting a candidate could be vague. Overall, 76% of the 62 to 85-year-olds surveyed said they are currently retired. 17% said they currently work full-time. 7% said they currently work part-time. Of those working now, 25% said they had been retired at one point but are back to work. Boy, is that scary. 25% of those working now, they were retired. They're back to work. I hope, <laughs> I hope many of those people are there because they really want to be. They're bored. A majority of those surveyed who plan to unretire next year will look for a job in a new industry. 27% will look for a job in the same industry. 14% would go back to their previous place of employment. Employment. Seniors should be in demand. Holler said there's a lot to be said these days about the professional skills and adaptability these folks bring to the table. There are many industries looking to hire these folks because as boomers are retiring, companies are hurting with the talent pool not being large enough. And let me just tell you something else. And, and I'm not uh, pigeonholing older people in the customer service realm, but I've got to tell you, just based on some of the experiences I've had in customer service in recent days oh my goodness it's it's a it's a stretch to find people who i think have a command of the english language i mean that would be a an improvement just basic manners basic customer service skills but anyway beyond that i think there's a maturity and there's a gravity that older workers can bring to the table. If you're in that place where you have to go back to work, uh, your services probably are desperately needed somewhere. So I hope if that's something that you will be doing, you're doing because you want to, not because you have to, but if you do have to, I hope it's a situation where you can find an opportunity that works well for you. I want to get your input. How many of you are retired and you're in this place? You're having to go back to work or maybe you've already gone back to work. I would love to hear from you. 704-570-1110. Or maybe you're about to retire and you've got some anxiety about it. Can I make it based on the current economic situation? I welcome your thoughts. On the other side, we've got a couple of items for Transformation Tuesday. We're going to talk about one of the areas where the pendulum has swung from political correctness into something else that I am not pleased by. 
We'll also talk about what's going on in the evangelical world as it relates to politics. We'll talk about that much more as we continue our Tuesday edition of the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome to our number two of the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Tuesday. We shared a couple of economic stories, one of them talking about people hardships and having to tap into retirement savings. The other, people who are in retirement having to unretire just to keep it together. Let's go out to a call from John in the sprawling metropolis of Mooresville. Good morning and welcome, John. Good morning. How are you? Doing well, sir. What I was calling about is the interesting thing is I, I, after 35 years as a surgeon, I had retired and I worked for, you know, just kind of off and on for maybe a couple of months, but then COVID hit and my family pretty much all was in medicine and they all said, their doctors, they, dad, you got to get out of the nursing homes. So I quit for the two years. Well, all of a sudden, as this COVID has wound down, I got like seven offers from different healthcare places and facilities to come back and go to work because there's a huge shortage coming of physicians uh, because most of them that are out there were reti- are retiring and they're my age. And I don't know if you're familiar, but what's happened a lot is that people go into IT with and make more money oh my goodness you're actually breaking up a bit john john are you still there Can, yeah. would you do me a huge favor and try calling yeah. back if you're at a place maybe maybe where you're moving if you're able to be can you or either call back or have us call you back because i definitely want to hear this so try to uh, get back in it's better now, yes. Can you just repeat okay. what you were just describing there? Okay. What I was saying is that what's happening in medicine, and a lot of the doctors my age who are retiring are not being replaced because the younger generations realize that they can spend four years in college and come out in IT and make more money than if they spend eight to 11 years and two to 300000 in debt as a physician. Mm. That I have never thought of that comparison and that choice between going into medicine and going into IT. Do you, are, are the skill sets closely related in some way? No, not at all. It's just the fact that, you know, people, the average debt, because I keep in touch with my colleagues at some of the universities that I knew, the average debt of a, of a uh, even just a family practice doctor who does you know, four years undergrad, four years of medical school, three years of residency is around two hundred and thirty to three hundred and thirty thousand, and they come out and they're and they're barely they're making maybe a hundred and twenty to a hundred and fifty thousand a year, whereas the IT people come out for after four years and they're making anywhere from a hundred and fifty to two hundred, 
And the only other thing I can say is the sad thing is, is that, you know, back in the 1990s, Wall Street found medicine. And so you got these bigger and bigger and bigger corporations so they can deal with Mm. Medicare cuts that, you know, you got your doctors working all these hours, especially during COVID, and the CEOs are making five, six million dollars. It's it's obscene, isn't it? I want to go back to something, John, because one of the things that you kind of triggered in my mind by what you described here, the truth of the matter is, and and I I don't think they'd mind me saying this, my two oldest sons, uh, my oldest has some college, my second oldest has no college. Well, I didn't, that's not true. My second actually almost has a college degree, but neither one of them is they're they're both in IT and they are doing very very well. This the other part of this John, neither one of them really needed college for what they are right. doing and they are right. just they are lighting it up in the IT world and yeah. they have no college debt, zero. Yeah. Well, that's even better. Is, that's is even the, better. Yeah, the yeah, the sad thing is is that we we keep always saying we want to be you know, better as good as uh, Europe medical care. Well, the European medical care is very hard as far mm-hmm. as, you know, there's not enough doctors over there because the doctors never made very large salaries. And I'm not saying that, you know, the cost of medicine, it's, you know, it's outrageous, but the majority of the cost of medicine is because it's no longer between the doctor and the patient. It's exactly. there's doctor, then there's insurance, then there's additional insurance, then there's Medicare, then there's the companies that handle the pharmaceutical and the, all that kind of stuff. And the hilarious thing is that doctors that used to be independent, especially in oncology, would get paid two or three, probably a thousand dollars less for the same infusion as an independent doctor, as if they join a hospital staff and then work for the hospital and the hospital does it, the hospital gets reimbursed a thousand more. Oh my gosh. John, I got I want to ask you this question because I've got these ideas. Um, you know, one of the things I'd love to see the educational system and it's kind of interesting. These things are tied together. The educational system and oh, no, don't tell me we lost John. Are you still there, John? We have lost him, John. Please call back because <laughs> I want to ask a final question. And uh, Bernie, also, I'd like to get some information from John so we can talk with him again in the future. Um, I was just going to share one of my perspectives about this, about a reform of healthcare and the educational system. Okay, don't don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay, I'm about to say something, and I don't want anybody going crazy and thinking something insane. If I were running for president, these would be two big items on my platform. I would call for a complete restructuring of the educational system and the healthcare system. And basically, I would communicate it this way. I want to return to the free market system to get rid, to get the federal government completely out of the medical system, get the federal government completely out of higher education and primary education, for that matter. Let's let market forces do the job they can do to bring the cost down 
And ultimately, I mean, you heard this doctor. I think one of the unfortunate things in all of our conversations about health care and health care expenses, the truth of the matter is a lot of these doctors are not making what people think they are making. If you want to vilify anybody or demonize anybody, it's the medical organizations. It's the business of medical organizations. They're the ones making and siphoning the money. Let's get back to me paying a doctor. Let's get back to me paying a hospital. Let's get back to me paying for a service. And let's get to a place where we've got competition to where Presbyterian or Novant is going to have to compete against CMC. They're going to have to advertise their prices. Hey, you've got heart surgery? We can do it for less over here. Make them compete. Make colleges compete. Make them post their prices. And you have choices. Because until that happens, these costs are not going to be under control. I'll tell you that right now. And we've got another issue. I mean, you just heard it. Why would somebody want to go into medicine now? Think of, I mean, to me, just the years of study. That's intimidating in and of itself. And then on top of that, the debt. Can you imagine a mountain? I mean, I've dealt with debt before, but I can't imagine $150,000 in debt, unsecured debt. I just can't. Anyway, I'd love to get your thoughts in the conversation with John, and I do hope John calls back, because I'd love to talk to him more. We also have Transformation Tuesday, which we will get to, and information on the upcoming debate number four on the Vince Coakley radio program. He found it. It's a song called Running from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Check out these vocals. This is just awesome stuff. Oh, it's fully instrumental? Okay, that's fine. No, you're fine. No, it's not. It's there. Great stuff. Earth, wind, and fire. Um, I have played that to death the past few days. A friend of mine was uh, playing a bunch of Earth, wind, and fire songs and came across this gem. And I was just, it, it's just, their uh, music is just superb after all these years. By the way, Earth, wind, and fire and Chicago are coming back to Charlotte next year. Last time they were here, I think I had to work. I was still in TV. I think I was. It's hard to believe it's been that long. But they are coming back together. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen these two groups perform. If you haven't, go to YouTube. And they do a show at the Greek Theater. Earth, Wind & Fire, and Chicago. And they do each other's songs. And they perform some of their songs together. You probably notice a strand... That ties these two groups together that you can tell why I like it. My favorite music music is actually jazz. 
and I love the brass section. I like the older Chicago stuff. I don't care for the love ballads. I mean, I could do without that crap. I loved... <laughs> I sound like an old person. A cranky old person now. <laughs> I love the brass. And, I mean, you're talking like Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? Beginnings. Call on me. I mean, the... Uh, instrumentation is what carries these songs for me. And then Earth, Wind, and Fire, just all of... And to see them do these songs together, it's great. So I'm going to make it a point to be at the concert in person in 2024. Lord willing, if I'm still around, there's no guarantees. So, <laughs> uh, thank you, Bernie, by the way, for uh, that little musical interlude. Uh, Transformation Tuesday, I have a very short item to share, and it'll take one of your calls here. I may actually save one of the things I was going to share for later on, because it may involve time that we don't have to be able to digest. But before I even do that, I want to remind you again about what's happening in three days. The 30th annual Hancock Spikes for Kids Bike Drive. Presented by the Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. It's coming up Friday, December 8th at WBT. This year, our friends at Woody's Auto Service generously made their 14 Charlotte area locations available as bike drop-off centers. So you can drop the bike off at any of those locations. So it makes it easier for you to make a generous donation of a new bike to reach a kid in need this Christmas. Visit WBT.com for details and Woody's Auto Service locations. And we'll look forward to seeing you on Friday if you happen to come out to the radio station on Friday. Very quick thing before we go to a call or more, maybe. And that is this item for Transformation Tuesday. Gretchen posted this on social media. I said to you earlier in this broadcast, pendulum conversations are probably the most frequent conversations I have with people because I find that human nature, we very often react and many times we overreact to things that happen in our lives and we make a mistake by overcorrecting. And in the same way, um, the same way you would if you were driving and you went off on the left side of the road and you overcorrect and go off the right side, it doesn't matter which ditch you go into, you don't want your car in a ditch. You don't want your life in a ditch. Here is Gretchen's post. I'm just blunt. No, you aren't blunt. You just don't care how you talk to people because you think your opinion is more important than respect or courtesy. I hate when people think the only way to be truthful is to be blunt, harsh, or rude. You can be truthful and still hold space for someone else's feelings. Carefully consider the words you choose and be intentional about delivery. There's a fine line between being rude and honest. Never confuse the two. Isn't that a great post? And I see this in a lot of our political conversation because we've gone through this season of political correctness where everything is soft-pedaled. And now we've gone to the other extreme with certain people who, you know, I'm just telling the truth. 
Now, if you want to bring the spiritual angle into this, the scriptures say that we grow by truth communicated in love, speaking the truth in love. If love is missing, keep your fat trap shut. This is what I try to apply. Don't always succeed. But saying that I'm not politically correct is not an excuse for just being an ass. And, and honestly, I have watched so many people turn into that in recent years. And much of this over politics. And encouraging people who are just rude and nasty people. So uh, the caution is to us. Those of us who believe that we're on, quote, the right side, whatever that is. Let's make sure that we've got the right spirit. Not just the right ideas. The right spirit is also important. I think it was Steve Crosby. He had a couple of lines, something like this. The right views with the wrong spirit is wrong. It really is true. So let's make sure that we maintain the character of caring and loving so that we do not fall into the decadence of our culture and the culture, frankly, of some unhealed, broken people. There are people who are just nasty people and they need redemption. They need God's love to transform their hearts. God forbid that we would take unredeemed people and we would take our ethic from them, especially when they are behaving in this fashion. No, we don't have to be politically correct, but let's focus on being loving in the way we communicate with each other. Is that helpful? Very helpful to me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we're going to have a little fun here before we go to some of your calls, and we will go to those calls. So if you're on hold, be patient. We will come right to you first. I want to welcome caller number eight. Caller number eight, you will win tickets, two tickets, to the Glenn Miller Orchestra Concert at the Evans Auditorium. It's coming up Sunday, December 17th, 3 p.m., if you are interested in more on this event happening uh, at Ovens, go to Boplex, B-O-P-L-E-X.com slash events slash the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Um, this, I'm sure, will be a really good concert coming up in um, just under two weeks. That's pretty awesome. So caller number eight. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten, and uh, it's all yours. Let's quickly go out to a call from Ralph in Gaffney. Good morning, Ralph. Welcome. 
Hey, Vince, how are you? Doing very well, sir. All right. You, you were mentioning the competitiveness that com- competition's missing. I find irony in them always speaking about, well, let me be correct, they're speaking of a lowering educational cost when they allow professors to rephrase the same book that's been used for years and then require it to be bought by their student to be used in the class. Why do they allow that? Uh, it's it's, I it's mean, criminal, it's not isn't new it, Ralph? Math. It's the same freaking math. It hasn't changed, has it? No. But yet my son, he he had a $150 textbook. And oh it was my gosh. The next semester, a different professor came, and oh he required gosh. his textbook, which was $199. Oh, my gosh. That's, you know what this is? Also, everybody's in it for the money. This is a racket, isn't it? Yeah. I had for, I forgot all about favorite. books. Yes. My wife's favorite movie was A Bronx Tale with Robert De Niro. You ever seen that? I have not. I need to put that on my list. It's, a, it's called really A Bronx did. Tale. Okay. A Bronx Tale. And his son said, Dad, the working man's a sucker. And that's not the way they feel about us. I mean, they can do whatever they want to us, Vince. They don't care about us. What's missing in the word U.S. is control. Control us. That's what it should be. Oh, wow. Ralph. Yeah. That's brutal. But it's true. Yeah. Thanks, Vince. Keep being you. It's working well. We need more men of God who aren't afraid to let people know they're vulnerable and that they love. Ralph, that is absolutely awesome. Uh, I'd like for you to hold because uh, we'd like to uh, stay in touch. And if you can provide your information, wow, uh, those words really, uh, they carry a lot of weight, what Ralph just said at the end. Um, That's the kind of call, to be honest with you, that reminds me why i'm here it's really encouraging greg and charlotte good morning and welcome thank you uh this year i'm really the this elections are really getting to me and i made a big decision that i thought i would never do i have been a strong democrat in this state i've even been the precinct chapter for where i lived at one time i will not be voting for biden for president I'm wow. not going to vote for uh, Trump either. And if Nikki Haley gets the nomination by hook or crook, I will definitely <laughs> vote for her. But I am very, this this, this, uh, this thing with Palestine thing has really gotten to me. Now, I'm not against Israel, and I'm not pro-Hamas. But, I mean, we're... Every night we hear on the TV all these kids and people are getting killed. Yes, the uh, Hamas killed, what was it, 1,500 uh, Israelis? Right. But we're over 15,000 Palestinians that have been killed. These these numbers are going way up there. We're supposed to be a God-fearing country. (laughs) Forget that. uh, Biden has not, I mean, and he's coming back asking for all this taxpayer money that I'm disagreeing with to to help Israel. Israel doesn't need any more money, and I'm not. Some of my best friends are Jew, from the Jewish faith. 
Um, but Israel does not need more money from what they're doing. I'm sorry. I am totally no, I'm not for Hamas, like I said, because I do believe they're right in saying that they've been using people as shields and the hospitals and stuff. But it's like you're killing a fire with a can. I mean, a fly with a cannon. It's, 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 every time I see it on TV, it makes me ill. And another thing, the governor in this state, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an African-American. I'm black. I will not be voting for the, the current uh, lieutenant governor, who is a black man also. The man's nuts. I'm sorry. He just doesn't have it all. But I was listening to this week to this new commercial it's on, and I can't even recall a man's name, but obviously he has a um, issue with China uh, and said that he would not be let, allowing China to buy the state. I'm not that far against China, but I do agree with some things. I think uh, China has too much influence. And I'm going to look more to him. He's a Republican, and he said he's uh, conservative. Uh, I'm still very liberal, but I am have the mindset that you vote for the person that you think will do the best job. And and for now, so far, he's the only other alternative I've seen. So I'm a, I, I, and even in before I voted for Richard Benroof for our mayor. He was a Republican, and of course I worked with Pat McCory because he worked with us at. Uh, Big brothers, little brothers. So I vote for the person, not the party. I hear but you. I never thought I'd, but I would not vote for a Democrat for president. Well, I've got to tell you. That, but I'm, I'm, I'm 68 years old, and I've been voting since I was 18. And uh, this will be the first time ever I vote would not vote for a Democrat for president. Greg, I absolutely appreciate your passion, and I appreciate your discernment, too, and honesty. Uh, thanks a lot for your call, and uh, do call again sometime. I'd love to hear your perspective on how this race shapes up over the next year. And and I'm I'm just I don't mind saying again, don't think that what you see now is going to be the way this is going to look. I I think this may look very different six months or a year from now. Okay, if you have some familiarity with. Me, I am a punster. In fact, a good friend of mine <laughs> uh, has figured out the horrible jokes and puns that I tell and the off humor that I enjoy. I came across this one on social media today. Okay, you have to promise not to uh, stop listening after I tell this joke. Bernie, are you ready for this joke? Why are Dasher and Dancer always taking coffee breaks? Mm. I don't know. Hit me, with Santa. A, hit me with it, Dad. Santa. <laughs> oh, I'm ready for this man. Dad. I'm ready for this dad joke. Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> terrible. This is Santa speaking, by the way. Santa posing the question, why are Dancer and Dasher always taking coffee breaks? Because they are my star bucks. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's so stupid <laughs> it's so stupid it's funny it's like oh my goodness yeah that's terrible absolutely dreadful speaking of dreadful 
We have the fourth Republican presidential debate coming up. Um, it looks like an even smaller field. Republican presidential candidates will face off in the fourth primary debate. It's coming up Wednesday in Alabama. Viewers will see fewer hopefuls on stage after South Carolina Senator Tim Scott suspended his campaign last month. The party's higher thresholds to qualify may also prevent some candidates from making the cut. As you know, Donald Trump's the front runner. He's not going to participate at all. He'll be fundraising. So here's where we are. Governor Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Four candidates. So... The RNC appears to have let Christie, who did not seem to clear all their polling requirements, into the debate hinging upon a survey that was conducted ahead of September 15th, the start of the qualification window outlined by the RNC for this debate. So I'm sure many of you are just so excited. Chris Christie will be there. It means so much. (laughs) Let's take a look at the day in history. We have a total of eight items here. Starting in 1783, this general, who would later become president, said farewell to his officers. Who was this guy, Mr. Bernie? General, who said farewell to his officers. He would later become the first president. Oh, George Washington. There you go. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. Sorry, Vince. I was a little distracted over no. here at the computer. <laughs> hey, you're doing multiple functions at one time. It's true. So it's true. It's no worries. 1854, Aaron Allen got a patent for this that we use at so many events where you put your rear end down. Would it be a chair? It's so nice. Uh, well, here's what's special about these chairs. They are portable. What is it that's so special about these chairs that makes them so usable? You're able to stack them and do all kinds of things with them. Folding chair. Folding chair. Oh, okay. That's the patent. Simple enough. Simple enough. Yeah. (laughs) 1933, Utah ratified the 21st Amendment, ending prohibition. 1945... An aircraft squadron disappeared over this area that's been the subject of all kinds of speculations about weird happenings. Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is absolutely correct. 1967, the Beatles opened the first Apple store for clothing in London. 1974, the final new episode of this show appeared on the BBC. I don't know if you're old, en- old enough to remember this. I've never watched this, but um, some people love this. It's like a cult favorite in Britain. Uh, it's comedy. It's a group comedy thing. Uh, I don't know. What is it? Monty Python's oh, Flying yeah. Circus. Absolutely. Have you seen that? I've not seen... I've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, I've seen some of the movies, but... I'm okay. definitely aware of Monty Python. I've never watched any of those. Yeah, yeah. So Very funny yeah. movies. 1992, this president ordered U.S. troops to Somalia. Who is in office in 92? Would that be Bush Sr.? 
or Clinton? It was Bush. Bush. You okay, had it great. right. We'll take your first answer. Great, great. In 1997, remember this guy? You're too young to remember him. The NBA suspended Latrell Sprewell. Oh, yeah. For attacking his coach. Yes. The wonderful, upstanding citizen that he was. Mm-mm. Boy, I wonder what he's doing now. Latrell Sprewell. Got to look that up. We're out of time. I don't even have time to share a crazy story with you that I will try to get to tomorrow. But uh, thank you very much for your time today, for engaging with us. Lord willing, we're back tomorrow at the same time. Have such a great day. Be safe. God bless you.